0: All right, let's open up the Word of God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. I've been going through the Beatitudes because I felt like this is what the Lord um, shared with me to go through. <clears throat> and so today we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Lord, we just pray you open up our hearts and our minds. Help us, Lord, not only to be hearers of your Word, we want to be doers of your Word. Lord, help us to take it in, to digest it, and to produce fruit. Because, Lord, we love your mercy, but we want to be merciful. And we want to continue to walk in your mercy. So give us that wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are all called to extend mercy. And that's the main point today. We are called to extend mercy. So look at your marriage Spouse there, and look at them and say, Hey, I am supposed to extend mercy to you. They need to hear that this morning. If you got a teenager, tell your teenager, I need to extend mercy to you. If you got a family member close, I need to extend mercy to you. Jesus is saying, You get what you give. You get what you give. And uh, so that's why I titled this, What is Coming Your Way? You get what you give. And I'm not talking about your finances. I'm talking about in life, you get what you give. Amen? There's so much truth in that. Um, if you are merciful of others, you will get mercy, just like you, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Treat people with dignity and be, in a good, be a good example and watch God pour it back into you. Watch God pour it back into you. And that's so important because we live in a world where there are a lot of people that are messed up. I've got one statement here. There are a lot of peculiar people out there. That's a nice way of saying it, okay? Peculiar people. I was reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, talking about the end times, and it says that there will be a lot of lawlessness going on. And it says that because they've heard and they've rejected God, he gives them over to this attitude. God gives them over to an attitude of lawlessness. But that doesn't mean that you and I still don't show mercy. Amen? And we extend that mercy and that love. We don't compromise in the area of sin. Amen? In my, my private study time, I'm in Romans. I'm in Romans chapter 1, and I'm reading the last part of that and talking about what was going on. Here's Paul. He's in Corinth, and he's sending this letter to the Romans saying, hey, I want to come. I'm on my way. I haven't got there yet. But he's heard about all their ungodliness and lawlessness that's going on, and he's like, you cannot be a born-again believer and live like that. and, And so it's just really, it just fired me up to say, man, God, we've got to stand for righteousness, but yet we've still got to show mercy. And we've got to show love because you never know when you're going to encounter one of those folks and they just need to know you love them. And then they need to know that Jesus loves them. Amen? So the first point today is the meaning of mercy. Mercy is love in action. Mercy is love in action. It's just not saying it. It means you put it in action. You do it. I'll never forget, Phil. It was a snowy morning, and I was taking my children to school, and there was a car stalled in the middle of the road, traffic everywhere, and I did not want to get out, Phil, I didn't want to help that person. But I knew they were just beside themselves. So I pull my car over, I send my kids into school, I get out in the middle of the road, making sure because it was snowing, and I said, if you'll just put it in neutral, it was a lady, if you'll put it in neutral, I'll just start pushing and we'll get you to a parking spot to get you out of, oh, thank you, thank you. So I did that, I mean, Cars are still coming around. Yeah, I got slushed on and everything. I was like, oh, my goodness. And a week later, Phil Kimmer calls me. Hey, Owen, saw what you did the other day. I said, did I mess up, Phil? Did you see something that I did wrong? He said, oh, no, man, when you helped that lady out. As I sat in my warm bus and watched you, You did really good out there with all that snow and slush. I just thought that was really a great example. Thanks, brother. I wish I would have seen you. I would have gone, come and help. You just never know who's watching you, amen? You're in the parking lot at Walmart. It's cold. You've got the cart, and you're like, they've got little guys paid to go get these carts. Why should I take them all the way back? They charge me enough. You know, it's self-checkout now. Is that your attitude? Or do you take your cart and take it to the proper place and put it in there? People are watching. Come on now. And some of you, you need those extra steps. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Psalm 145.8. God is so merciful. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Isn't that good? Man, if you need a, a scripture in your life today, it's Psalm 145.8. The Lord is gracious and he's merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Some of you need that for your spouse. Some of you need that for your children. Some of you need that for your boss. Some of you need that for your pastor. So good. Look at the second point there. The marks of mercy. Caitlin was doing my notes, and I have, my printing is terrible. It's hard to read. It really is a bunch of scribble. And and I'm just going to rat her out here, you know. She gave me the notes, and it said, the marks of a monk. No, no, it said, the monk of mercy. That's what it said. And I started laughing, I took it into her, I said, "No, it's not monk. I know it probably looks like that, it. it's Mark. The marks of mercy, if I'm merciful, look at the very first one there. I'll be say that with me, patient. with those who are weird, peculiar. <laughs> there are some weird folks out there. Amen, Some of you work with them. Oh my gosh. Some of you have them in your family. Some of them are sitting next to you this morning. <laughs> Peculiar your people. 1 Thessalonians 5:14, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Is there anybody here you struggle with patience? Can I see it? you be honest? My goodness. Okay, let's start over from the very beginning today. <laughs> no. I will be patient with those who are peculiar. What I have found is you don't know what they've come out of. You don't know the pain or the suffering. I've, I've heard it said about up to the first 18 months, how important that is in your life. And my daughter sent me a little podcast about the first three years of a child's life and how they long for that mother. And how they long. I mean, in Romania, there were all these orphanages. And I remember we supported Romania. And and there are these kids. They were living in the gutters. underneath uh, underneath the streets and the drainage, sewage drains, and they were huffing paint. We're talking six, seven, eight-year-olds, just orphans running wild. And when people were adopting them, there were so many problems with these children because there had never been anybody to bond with them. And they looked at one orphanage there and they found that those children were doing so well, and they couldn't figure out all these other children are not. Why is it in this one orphanage these children are doing so well? They found out that there were nurses in there that were taking the newborns, and they were strapping them onto their bodies, and they were carrying them around all day, and they would rotate these newborns. And these children were bonding with these women because they needed to be by that Temporary mom. It's so important, moms, if you're a working mom, to make sure the average mom only spends 90 minutes, the average working mom only spends 90 minutes with a child a day. That's terrible. Make sure you're carrying, I know you're tired, I know you've been working all day. If you just got to get one of those little things and you tuck them in, carry them with you. They need to know that. It's so important. We've got to realize that touch and love and communication and just being with you is so important those first three years. That's just a word from somebody, to encourage you, not to condemn you, but to encourage you, to encourage you. Very important. Romans 15, 7, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Even if they're peculiar, you've got to welcome them. Be patient. Extend mercy. Many are a product of their upbringing and the culture they have come out of. Find out about that, and then you can also help them to take steps to grow, to learn who they are in Christ. Look beneath their external behavior and their goofiness and try to see the possible internal pain. Can I say that again? Look beneath their external behavior and goofiness and try to see the possible internal pain. Loneliness, depression, abuse. So many times I'll be talking with somebody and and all of a sudden you'll say something and it hits a squishy spot and they'll get angry or upset. And all of a sudden, they'll just come out and say, you don't understand child abuse. I was abused sexually or I was abused physically. and I, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I have to have mercy and compassion because that's very real to them. Amen? Very real to them. Or abandonment. If you've been adopted, thank you, Jesus. But a lot of folks that have been orphans, that, that even if they get into a good family, they still fight this longing for their biological parents. And, and, and that orphan spirit will rise up, and it will cause you to become possessive and angry. I know of a family that adopted two children. They had three of their own, and, and uh, they found out after dinner, food that was left on the table would disappear. Now, all these children were, the the adopted ones were under five. And what was happening is they were going in and taking the extra food and wrapping it up and hiding it and then taking it to their room because they were scared they wouldn't have anything later. And as a parent, you can't get mad. You've just got to be able to show them that love and that mercy and that grace. Some of you get that. Some of you have been so wounded by maybe a former spouse or a parent. And those wounds are deep and they cause you to react when you get in certain situations and you don't even realize you're doing it. It's up to us to love you, to show mercy, and to help you. You may say, well, I've got this all down, I've handled it. No, 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 not really. It really takes a lifetime to deal with a lot of this stuff. It really does. And I'm looking around at some of you here this morning And I look at you and I see, and I'm like, you are products of Jesus Christ. He has brought you out of so much. Some of you didn't have a dad. Some of you didn't have a mom. Thank God for grandparents, amen? Thank God for great-grandparents. Thank God for people in the church that stood in the gap. That stood in the gap and said, hey, we're going to buy Christmas for you because we, d- we understand you don't have Christmas. Or we're going to send you to camp. We're going to send you to that youth event. Or we're going to make sure in that children's ministry you have this, this, and this. They're standing in the gap, and they are spiritual moms and dads that are making a difference. It's huge. It's huge. The other thing there is not only to be patient, I'll forgive those who have hurt me. hmm I'll forgive those who have hurt me. How many are here today? Don't lift your hand. But when people let you down, you hold it over them. You're one of those folks who just can't seem to let it go. You need to learn how to forgive. You need to learn how to forgive. My wife, she's done this to me two or three times. Forgiving me? No, more than that. But she has said to me, she has said to me at times, she's seen people really wound me and hurt me. She's like, how do you do it? How do you forgive them? How could you just go up to them when you see them someplace and give them a hug? I'm like, I don't know. I, I just do it. I, I think it's because I know all that God has forgiven me of and I can't look at the exterior, I've got to be able to say, God, you love them just as much as you love me, and you want them to have a blessed life. So I just love them. Now, there are times, I, it takes me time, you know, to be able to love certain people. I'll mention a few names this morning. There's, no, I'm just kidding. But when people let you down, do you hold it over them? That's not mercy. That's not mercy. I remember Dr. Dobbins telling me years ago, Owen, you can forgive, but you don't have to trust immediately. You need to write that down. You can forgive, but you don't have to trust. Trust is earned. It's earned. I remember with my children, I always told them, I can handle about anything if you'll just tell me the truth. And if you won't lie to me, your punishment will be less. But if I catch you in a lie, It's coming full force. I said, because I want you to understand, I'm going to forgive you, but if you've broken my trust, that trust has to be rebuilt. And there are consequences. But that trust can be rebuilt. Amen? It can be rebuilt. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, don't raise your hand, but are you one of these folks you hold grudges? Mm. And you know what? It's so easy to do it against family because you take them for granted. And it's just like, Ugh! so for the next two weeks, you just. You make them pay. I love you, but, oh, I'm getting you. Mm. Shloy really does that to me a lot, but she finally gets through it. No, she doesn't. She's really good. Well, sometimes she does, just and sometimes I do. Because we're human, amen? And we have to work through that. Bearing with one another. We've got to learn to do that. Funny thing about mercy is, When you are called to receive it, it feels so right. Let me say that again. The funny thing about mercy is when you are called to receive it, it feels so right. But when you're called to give it, it can feel so wrong. There could be a Christian song in that. I think there was some type of secular song close to that. Who are you harboring unforgiveness toward? Is there somebody? I mean, when when I just mentioned forgiving... A person came to your mind. You need to write that or their initials on your outline because you just need to forgive them. Who are you harboring unforgiveness toward? Your flesh says, I don't want to forgive. I want justice. And at times, I want revenge. Hey, I've been there, done that. Been there, done that. I had my daughter in my car when she was about three, and a guy ran me off the road. And I chased him down, and I jumped out of that car, and I got him out of his car, me being a man of God in the ministry, at about age 29. And I said, what in the world are you doing? You almost killed us, and I smelt the alcohol. I said, listen, you shouldn't be driving. Where do you live? He said, right up there. I said, I'm not going to call the police. You need to go get in your house, but don't drive and drink because you almost killed us. My flesh wanted to react. Anybody ever been there? I'm just being honest. But when I smelt the alcohol, I knew he wasn't thinking right. And I said, Go ahead, go. Just go, as my daughter's in the car going. And I get that. And I I ask her to forgive me for losing it like that. So there's times you want justice and you want revenge. Because your flesh wants you to do that. It's like a lady went to get her photo taken, and she said to the photographer, this photo does not do me justice when the gal that took the photo showed it to her later. It doesn't do me justice. And the photographer said, ma'am, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> Let's show mercy. Amen? Let's show mercy. Ladies it could have been a guy. It could have been a guy. In life there are so more willing to criticize and not sympathize. There's more people that want to criticize than sympathize. We have to learn to show mercy and be sympathetic. It's so important. Empathy is important, to have empathy for those people. More people are wanting to point a finger than lend a helping hand. Let us be patient to peculiar people and be forgiving toward them. The next point there is, I'll help those in need. I'll help those in need. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it, don't hold go- good from them. Mercy is practical assistance, it's putting love into action. You see, feeling sorry for somebody is not enough. There are times we have to just actually put our love into action and help them. Amen? I don't think Rick Gray's here this morning, but. It was a hot summer day, and I'm coming down 18th Street, and in front of Jeff High School, I see Rick and his brother, and they've got a flat tire. And everything within me said, keep driving, Owen. (laughs) But as I looked, as I was pulling up, they were jacking it up, and one of the boys had their feet under the wheel. I'm like, Lord, I got to help them. So I pull over, and I said, listen, first thing I need you to do is move your feet. Never put your feet under a tire that you're jacking up. If that jack comes down or slips off. So I end up changing the tire for them in love, hot, sweaty, no big deal, but I was more concerned about their health and their welfare we as believers have to understand that ministry many times is inconvenience and i don't even like saying it because that's really been a lot of my life but it's true it's taking us out of what we want to do at times to do what god's called us to do it's inconvenience. It's practical assistance. First John 3: 17 and 18. "But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Isn't that good? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. That's a powerful scripture. I want to read it again. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Those are two powerful verses. I'm going to put uh, John Wesley's uh, motto he had uh, that he always went with and stuff. And it says here... um, John Wesley would say, do all the good you can in all the ways you can, to all the souls you can, in every place you can, at all the times you can, with all the zeal you can, as long as, you ever, as, long as ever you can. That was his drive. That's what pushed him. And he helped find, uh, found the, the Methodist Church. You and I need to be doers of good lovers of souls, showing mercy. And believe me, all of us have been hurt, rejected, wounded, lied on, cheated, all those things, but God still wants you to show his love and mercy. Too many today, when it comes to serving Jesus... Are a Jehovah bystander. They're a Jehovah bystander. They just stand and watch. Mm, boy, those people need help. I hope Lord sends somebody. Oh my friend, they're hurting. They're hurting. They need help. Mm, I hope you do that. Lord bless. You've heard me share this story, but it impacted my life so much when Shaloy and I first came into the ministry, and we moved from Arkansas to here, and we couldn't sell our house in Arkansas, and 11 months into it, we had used all of our resources on that house that we still own down there. We rented it, and in two months, the realtor came to me and said, the renters have destroyed your house and stolen a bunch of stuff. So we had to get all that fixed. And then we put it up for sale, and then when the insurance company in Arkansas found out that we no longer lived there, we lived in Indiana, they quadrupled our insurance on our home. And I remember getting a statement from them that we owed them $900 every three months. And I'm like, God, what's going on? You called me into the ministry, we need you to sell this house and it took about 14 months for that house to sell and we were down we were at the church at prayer every morning asking god to help us we didn't know we didn't go to anybody i mean people knew our situation but we were just trusting god and finally after about 14 months a guy offered us 400 more dollars than what we owed on the house And we gave that $400 to our realtor, but we were broke. Years later, because I was on staff with seven or eight guys, a couple of staff members came to me and said, hey, uh, by the way, I went to my pastor, I said, what are we going to do? We are dying. And he said, you're just going to have to let that house go back. I said, what? ruin my credit, give up the house, ruin my witness. I can't do that, so I wouldn't do that. But a couple of staff guys came to me later, and they said, man, we're so glad you finally sold the house, you had it taken care of. God told us to pay a house payment for you, but we just, we didn't do it. We're sorry. If God tells you to do something for somebody, would you please do it? Had I been smart two years later, I would have said, well, you could pay it now. But I didn't think of that. In the body of Christ, we can get so stingy, amen? Luke 10, 27 through 35. Talk about being a bystander. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, mercy, really, He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to this man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise we are to be an example of mercy we live in an unbelievable nation where there's so many blessings to be an american the good samaritan took action he got involved jesus is saying happy are those who care enough to get involved Jude one twenty four. now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and great joy. Hurt can cause you to doubt God. Amen? I'm going to repeat that again. Hurt can cause you to doubt God. And hurting people hurt people. And you have to realize that there are hurting people all around you. Wounds that go back to their childhood, you've still got to turn the other cheek, love them, and make a difference. The last one there is, I'll do good to my enemies. I'll do good to my enemies. In Luke chapter 6, verses 33 and 35 through 37, it says here, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Oh, my goodness. Does that not sound hard? Come on, let's be real. You're telling me, God, my enemy. And I'm supposed to lend to them and not expect it back? Oh, my goodness. Say this with me. My enemies, you expect me to lend and not get it back. I just want you to get that. Because that's hard to even say amen. Let's go back. You're to do good to those who are in need of mercy, even if they're not good to you. Man, that's hard to do you got to love them in spite of them. Now, we've got a lot of folks from the old school, well, I need to help teach them a lesson. You go out and do that. You live your life like that. That's, and I understand there are consequences, but you're not the junior Holy Spirit, amen? And you're justifying you're not helping because maybe you're a little stingy. Maybe you're a little selfish. Or maybe you're just not tuned in with the Spirit if God's telling you to do something. In some of the worst times of our lives, Shaloy and I's marriage, when finances were the worst, it was amazing how God would bring somebody in that had a need and tell us to give what we had left that we needed. And he would say, just go give it to them. And I would be the first to say, "Uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. And Shilohi would say, she was always so good, honey, we need to obey the Lord. Honey, we need to obey the Lord. That's what went through my mind. Honey, we need to obey the Lord. She's on your side. But I would do it, reluctantly. I'm just being honest. I know I've got a lot of holy people here, and you would never do that. But I'm being honest. But God would always take care of us. He would always take care of us. Time after time, he still met our needs. That's the kind of God we serve. It doesn't mean you approve their sin. Amen? Let me say that again. It doesn't mean you approve of their sin. But how are they going to know? Shaloi and I, we had just had Jared. And he was about year, year and a half old. And... One of our family members, extended family members, was really struggling in school, total rebellion, into a lot of heavy metal music, Um, just messed up his life. And we prayed about it, and the Lord told us to move, move him in with us. Now, he was struggling with drugs. What I didn't know is he was huffing gas. I didn't know people did that. He was getting high on paint. He was 15 or, no, he was 16 at the time. And every night I would come home from work and I was having to help him with his homework. Every night. Because he was going to flunk out of school if I didn't. Shaloi was helping him with how to take care of himself. His car broke down, and it was $800 to repair that car that we didn't really have. But I told him, I said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You're going to church with us, but this music is not good for you. I'll give you the $800. We'll get your car fixed but I'm buying all of your music. What? Every last piece of it. It's mine. Where are you going to walk? He's like, deal. <laughs> I bought all that music. I destroyed it. So say, that's me. That's not showing mercy. No, that's showing mercy. Because that music was leading him down the wrong track. We impacted his life, and after about nine months, we got him into Teen Challenge and got him set up to go there. But it was love in action. It was work. It changed the routine in our lives. We didn't complain. I I don't remember us ever complaining. We just knew we were supposed to do it. Sometimes you have to go and go the extra mile. Can I tell you, though, the Lord has always taken care of us through that? That's how faithful God is. He's always taken care of us through that. The last point is this, the motive of mercy, for mercy. The motive for mercy is that God has shown us mercy. Our motive for mercy is God's shown us mercy. Mercy. He's shown us mercy. Matthew 18, 3. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You and I need to understand that we need to give mercy. Little children give mercy all the time. They can be fighting and then they'll share their cookie or they'll share their drink or their toys. The other thing is because you need to know, you never know when you're going to need mercy. Amen? You do not know when you're going to need mercy. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. James 2.13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And man, that grabbed me when I looked that up. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Would you stand with me this morning? I think about the lady caught in adultery in John chapter 8. And the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and they throw her down in front of him and there's like, she's caught in adultery. She has to be stoned. She has to be stoned. That's the law. And Jesus bends down and he writes something in the sand. I don't know what he wrote. I don't know if he exposed some of their sins. But he looks up and he says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone I want to read that James 2 13 one more time for judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment and then Jesus looks around and he looks at the woman caught in adultery you notice the man's not there I don't know why they didn't bring the man. They should have brought the man. But they treated women like animals. It's pathetic what they did. Possessions. And Jesus looks at her and he says, where are your accusers? She goes, I don't know. They're gone. He goes, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. She was facing death. And she got a reprieve to live life. You and I were facing death because of sin, eternal damnation, but we got a reprieve because of Jesus giving us mercy. Would you bow your heads this morning? Mercy makes us happy. Our problem is we tend to judge others by their worst fault and ourselves by our best intentions. We tend to judge others by their worst fault and ourselves by our best intentions. That's how biased we can be. Are you here this morning and you're like, man Owen, I'm struggling with even serving the Lord. We saw all those folks give their life to the Lord last week, which was incredible. But maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, Owen, I need mercy. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to be Lord of my life. Christians are praying right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, remember me in prayer. I need to accept Christ. Yes, yes. Anybody else? I need to receive Jesus. Don't want to miss you. Just hold it up high and then you can take it back down. Yes, yes. Yes. Man, I'm telling you, people are wanting God. Seven, eight hands this morning. Anybody else? I just... (laughs) You see, we were all... In that same point at some time in our life where somebody asks us, do you want to receive him? Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for all of you willing to help in this church and do what you do so that we can give others the opportunity to come to Jesus. Anybody else? I don't know Christ today, but I'd like to receive him. Just lift your hand up and put it back down. I'm telling you, not too many churches in America are having people come to know the Lord. I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit is working on lives. I saw all those young people at that conference, and I just felt like God did something. He broke something. He broke something. And the Holy Spirit saying, you're willing to bring them in. You're willing to host them. You're willing to bring them from all over the state. Watch what I can do through you because you're willing to be a church that just says, use us. Anybody else? I want to receive Christ this morning. In a moment, I'm going to pray for those. But for the rest of us, let's be people that are willing to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's got to be us, living. Mercy is love in action. The marks of mercy is I'm merciful, I'm patient. I forgive those who hurt me. I help those in need. I do good to my enemies. If you're struggling and giving mercy, will you ask the Lord to forgive you and say, God, it's all yours. Let's pour it out. I can say I am so blessed in my life because I really do want to help others, and I have no problem showing mercy. There's times I have a struggle in the moment, but I I tend to still go ahead and obey the Holy Spirit. If you're struggling, ask God to forgive you. I'm going to ask Pastor Taylor to come up here and stand along with Pastor Chuck, Pastor Jeff. And if you lifted your hand this morning to receive Christ, would you come up here and stand? Just stand right here in front. Christians are praying. Nobody's looking around. If you lifted your hand, I'm not trying to embarrass it, but sometimes it's just that bold step of faith saying, I'm coming forward. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, man. That's right. Come on up. Man, young people coming up. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's right. Come on up. Anybody else? Believers, you're to be praying. Let's give them that opportunity to do this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who God is good. I don't care what kind of problems you got going on in your life, how bad your battle's been, to see people come to know Jesus, there's nothing greater. Whoo! I'm going to have all you that came forward We're going to pray with you But man, I just have to have a hug Oh man, big step, awesome Awesome I know you don't know me, but I'm a hugger So I'm going to hug you Jesus loves you guys so much He went to the cross to die for you today Church, I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. If you're at home, you can pray this prayer. You can invite Christ into your life. Everybody out loud. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. I need your grace. You lived the life. You went to the cross, and you died. But you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven. Forgive me, Jesus. I receive you as my Lord. I believe you're the Son of God. So, Lord, I pray for each of these that have stepped out today. I pray, God, that, Lord, you will give them a hunger for your word, a thirst, God, to be overcomers when it comes to temptation. And, Lord, you will give them a desire to fellowship with believers. God, we believe this is a life-changing moment in their life. So we're believing you to touch them and make a difference in their lives in Jesus' name.